everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. Uh, before we get started, don't tickle my foot. What are you <laughs> before before we get started today, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has supported us so far um, through thank social. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks. much. What we've gotten from f- friends and family about this so far has been amazing. We owe a lot to all the people who helped us pull this together. So just thank you guys so much for doing that for us. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about Ninja's tweet controversy, um, a little bit about the PlayStation 5 pricing issues, and finally, we're going to be taking a look at some of the Animal Crossing Nintendo Direct. After that, we are going to be talking about some of the upcoming games for the week, and finally, going into the games that we have been playing. Oh, and Sanic! Yes! That's right. <laughs> we, the three of us went to go see the Sonic movie together. We did it together, for work purposes, of course. Yeah, strictly for work purposes. Zach was very mad at my choice of candy. <laughs> oh my god. Boston baked beans. Boston baked beans are really good. Disgusting. Your uh, wife loved them. Not sponsored by Boston baked beans. Uh, no, although we, we are trying to be. <laughs> no, no, no. Please give us money. Or Zach really likes Mike and Ike's. Yeah, I was going to say Mike and Ike's. Not sponsored by Mike and Ike's. me up. <laughs> All right, so first we're going to be getting into a little bit about Ninja's tweet. Now, did you guys hear anything about this before today? Uh, not at all. The last thing I heard from Ninja was that I believe he won Best Content Creator at the Game Awards. I don't remember specifically, but I know he was listed. And he had a very long-winded speech about all his greatness and all his good stuff. And I was like, oh, well, thanks, man. Thanks for telling us how great you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'll give it to the guy. What he has done, I mean, what he's made for himself is pretty outstanding. That being said, he's had his affair of dumb things that he's dumb or dumb things that he's said and just a little bit of controversy around him. So already I think he's fighting a little bit of an uphill battle with just a little bit of the Twitch community and the YouTube community kind of being against him just a little bit. He just has kind of an image problem. I feel like everyone wants to be him because he is so popular. He's kind of at like the top. And the only way when you're at the top is you can fall, I feel. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, as far as like content creators, he just has such a huge following. He's got just, I just said like an image problem because most people, they're either, you either like pro him or you freaking hate him. There's no in between, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. So the tweet in question that he posted on February 18th was the phrase it's just a game is such a weak mindset. You are okay with what happened, losing, imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. There's always something to learn and always room for improvement. Never settle. Now this is the tweet in question. The first time I read this, because I didn't read the tweet, the first thing I saw was people bashing him for the tweet. And... Initially, I was like, I don't really understand why people are so mad. It makes sense to me. I didn't get a lot of the controversy surrounding this either at first, because, you know, as any gamer out in the world saying, oh, it's just a game after you lose or you get mad about something in a game is one of the biggest set offs that you can tell any gamer out there. Back in the day, my dad would always be like, it's just flashing lights on a screen. What's the big problem? Right. But honestly, it's it's a lot more than that. You know, you work hard at doing a specific thing. And when you fail, it sucks, just like anything else in life. I mean, in my opinion, if you're just playing video games for recreation, you shouldn't be making that much of a deal about winning or losing. To take over, I definitely feel like I'm one of the more competitive players. And I can definitely relate with what Ninja was saying here. And I think most of the controversy comes to people taking it out by projecting some of their own issues they've seen throughout. 
And I think the sentence in question here is, when you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. And I think that was just a really poor choice of words there. It makes it sound like he's justifying, like when like a 10 year old, for instance, is this where I'm seeing a bunch of it because he's such a, right. a big role model for um, young kids. And so basically it says like, when you get angry after losing, you've lost twice. And so like people see this as a justification for kids who throw their controllers, break their TV or do anything ridiculous. And I don't think that's really what he's trying to say, but I don't, I also see where they're, I guess, projecting some other issues onto there because he is such a big role model. He should watch how he's, right. how he's saying it. But I but, think he was more or less saying, yeah, you shouldn't be okay with losing. If you're okay with losing, then you're a loser, basically. I think that's what he was getting at. He kind of redeems it at the end there by saying there's always something to learn, always room for improvement, never settle. This is what Ninja does for a living, you know? So, I mean, like, to a lot of people, it is just a game, but this is his livelihood. This is how he makes money, and this is who he's made himself out to be. So, to him, it's not just a game. It, it's his craft. It's what he does to support himself. It's what he likes to do. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if, like, the second place team at the World League of Legends goes off stage and there's a bunch of people in the back just going, it's just a game. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just it, it it blows my mind on some of those aspects. So as you guys can imagine, there's been quite a few tweets that came back to him, uh, mostly negative. Here's a couple of them, for example, from at C.H. Hopsky. Emotionally healthy people don't need to be furious in order to want to improve and work harder. Go to therapy. That's pretty targeted. <laughs> That's telling you that if you're angry, you've got a mental condition and you need help. Everybody gets angry. It's an right. emotion. Every human experiences, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the tweets kind of went in this direction. So I found one tweet in particular by this channel called uh, Circle Tunes HD, which, by the way, he's a YouTuber that makes uh, animations. If you haven't seen him, go check him out because he is hysterical. I love his videos. It's you, like uh, you, you just showed me him tonight and I thought yeah. they were hilarious. Video game animations. Zach, you would really love him. He has a bunch over uh, Smash Bros. What? Yeah, you love Smash Bros. I love Smash Bros. I know you love Smash Bros. So here was what he had to say in his five-part tweet. So I'm really confused by the insane backlash at Ninja got for saying, don't say it's just a game. Yeah, he came off super rude and crazy, but what he said does make some sense. Yeah, to a normal person, it's just a game, but this is his entire life, job, and income. He has to practice every day to stay good, to win those games, to keep those sponsors, to keep those viewers, and to enter those tournaments. So when he does this every day and takes a hard loss to reply, it's just a game, Lel, it is a bit rude, I feel. I know personally, if I practiced every day to be the best Smash Ultimate player, streamed every day, got sponsors, become one of the greatest, biggest, and lost some games just to have a guy say, bro, it's just a game, I'd be mad too. At the point, yes, it is just a game, but it is being a game doesn't mean it shouldn't have real stakes. Christ, people will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to watch people kick a ball around, Games get insanely serious, even video games. I just see both sides of it. He could have made his point way better, but at the core, I hear what he's saying. So yeah, he's Circle Tunes here is pretty much saying what we're thinking as well. It's like to him, it's not just a game; it's his life. So, I mean, there's several people that get incredibly furious out there if like their football or soccer team loses, and that's the same principle. Zach. Hey, now. Kind of in the <laughs> Tennessee Titans. Hey, okay, listen. I'm listening. No, I, I, uh, yeah, so I like Tennessee Titans, and they're, uh, you know, sometimes they lose, and so, uh, uh, sometimes <laughs> they've been 9-7 the past four years. That's more winning than losing. All right? 
Zach, I feel some hostility. Just barely. <laughs> All right, but they made it. The point is, it's to some people, it's not just a game, and I think that should be respected. And I and I really think they did that Circle Tune thing. She did a really good job of summarizing kind of how we feel in the podcast, where like you can still be competitive and be like not not a sore loser, but you can still be upset that you lost and use that frustration to grow your mindset, which is what I think Ninja was trying to say. And some people are just taking it grossly out of context. I want to know what Ninja's mindset was when he sent the tweet. Like, was he angry because somebody told him that it was just a game or was it just on a whim late at night? That, it know? was probably just a general thought about his career and how he was feeling about things. But I honestly don't know. It could have been something someone said to him. I just, I don't know. I, I'm still in support of Ninja. I think this tweet was blown way out of proportion, much as most of tweets are. I agree. Ditto. That's a Pokemon. It is. It's a shitty Pokemon. You get excited when you find your first Ditto, and then you're just like, oh my god, this actually sucks? Well, yeah, why would you want to use the same type on the Pokemon you're fighting? It's just, yeah, exactly. You hit a stalemate pretty fucking So then you throw it in the daycare center, it has sex with all of your other Pokemon, so you can get eggs. It has a great life, everyone's happy. Alright, so next up, we are going to talk a little bit about the pricing for the PlayStation 5. Um, what we have here is an article from Chris Davies. Yeah, Chris Davies from Slash Gear. So what I found interesting about this um, article, first of all, if you have not seen a picture of what the PlayStation 5 is supposed to look like yet, it's ugly. Good God, I think <laughs> it's that ugly. is hideous. Zach, what do you think? Well, it's their, it's their dev kit. So yeah, I mean, I in no way think that's going to be the final shape of it. No, uh, but yeah, if they're uh, they look like monstrosities, definitely. It looks a lot like if you went into the 1970s and was like, "All right, kid, tell me what you think a console in the future is going to look like." This is what that kid would draw: a big V. Oh my God, it's <laughs> anyway. So the meat and potatoes of this article here is basically talking a little bit more about the PlayStation 5 pricing and why it's going to be a little bit of a problem when it comes time to sell the thing later this year. So what I find interesting about this right off the bat um, is just some of the specs of the console itself. So that AMD processor that it's going to have, that 8-core 16-thread processor, that is a really powerful processor. You guys know a lot about like building computers and like specs and things like that? A little bit. I do, I do know enough to know that that is some heavy equipment right there. It is. It's very heavy duty. And it says here that it's going to have a custom GPU, which um, in the computer terms, that's essentially your graphics card is your graphics processing unit. On top of that, rather than disk drive storage, it's going to have solid state drive storage. That in itself is going to up the price quite a little bit. If you don't know the difference, just look it up later. But solid state drives are usually quite a bit quicker, um, with the drawback being much more expensive. And something else interesting is I find that they're going for the 8K resolution here. That's that, a lot of resolution. That is a lot of resolution. So if what I said just sounded like complete gibberish to you, which to some people it probably does, let's just say they're putting a lot of heavy-duty stuff into this console. It's basically a gaming PC in console form. That's a, exactly what it sounds like they're trying to go for here, is just something incredibly high-end to play the next generation of games. And because of that, it's probably going to hit a pretty solid price point. What does it say there for price on this thing, Zach? 
uh, says that they're hinting that the console could hit around $450 per unit, according to Bloomberg reports. Which makes sense. A cutting-edge component will have a cutting-edge price. And that's and that's just the bare minimum price that they could sell it for. They wouldn't make a profit off of 450 No, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, like, for the hardware that's going into this thing, so if you were to go back into computer terms, that processor from AMD plus that GPU and a solid-state drive, which I'm assuming is probably going to be about a terabyte since 500 gigabytes is just absolutely nothing anymore. Oh, yeah. Especially for 4K. Yeah, Yeah. when game downloads are like 60 gigabytes a download, even with a disc. Exactly. So including all of this stuff... You've already hit $450 just in like that kind of technology. So not even making a profit. So what do you guys think? Is it worth seeing this higher price tag on consoles if you're getting more bang for your buck like you are with what it sounds like they're doing in the PS5? Well, you can't have fancier toys without having to pay more money. Right. I think the cost is completely justified. Further on down the article, it's actually saying that the PS5 could... Uh, cost up to 470 to 500. I'm assuming they'll probably shoot for more of a 500 range. And even then, that still wouldn't be all that bad. I mean, that was the original selling price for the Xbox One, right? When that was first announced with with its new uh, Kinect or Move camera or whatever that was, plus the console, that was supposed to be $500. Yeah, I mean, $500 value at least. Hmm. And uh, later on in the article, it even says that back in 2013, the PS4 was launched for 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I think what's got everyone just really concerning right now is you think about consoles that have started that $500 price. Mm-hmm. Um, they've usually flopped hard or had to make some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. For instance, the PlayStation 3 was launched at $500 and that thing almost never recovered from it. And you can look on sales, I don't have the top of my head, but the Xbox 360 completely whooped the PS3's butt. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the few times that Sony's like ever lost, that the PS2, the PlayStation 1, and the PS4 are all some of the best-selling consoles of all time. So you have to you have to wonder if Sony is sweating a little bit. That's the interesting thing to me, is like, Sony is making the same mistake that Microsoft was making, in a sense. I mean, I think that with the hardware they're putting into this thing, it's definitely going to be worth it. Worth its price tag, I should say. So on the Xbox One also had that problem where it started at $500. And granted, the Xbox One had so many other issues with they always wanted to be online. They um, had to give you the connect with it. So oh, yeah, it was, was at that. Yeah, that was ridiculous. The online especially. The astronomical $500 price that no one wanted to buy also led to the reason the PS4 got off to such a giant start. And everyone was like, oh, I don't really want an Xbox when I could just buy a PS4, which is very close in spec wise. So I think that... Yeah, like the PlayStation 5, there, there's kind of that two sides to it. Yeah, you're getting more bang for your buck, but you're also, you're going to be kind of worried because it's hitting that $500 price point, which is kind of like the kiss of death for a console generation, it seems. And the interesting thing about this, what I also have in the back of my head is when it comes to the console wars, which by the way, gaming is gaming. I don't care what you like to game on. It's still interesting to talk about though. Xbox usually prides itself on having the most powerful console on the market. So if this is what's going to go into the PlayStation 5, I'm super stoked. But it makes me super curious to see what the Xbox has planned then. Oh yeah, because you know they know about what's going into the PlayStation and they're going to try to beat it. That's exactly what I think too. We may see 
a price increase with the PlayStation 5, I guarantee the Xboxes is probably going to be more. Oh yeah, easily the Xbox will cost either at 500 or more than 500. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're looking up now, Zach? Yeah, I'm looking up right now because I know since they released the Game Awards, like at least the first look, I want to say that they talked about it. The specs are supposed to be very, very similar, and I'm trying to say if it's... I think it's in Xbox's favor. I don't know off the top of my head. Well, they had a leak today about something in the audio equipment that they're using for the Xbox. Which, I'm super interested in that. Um, We're just going to have to wait and see what else comes out on this. But yeah, I think that's super interesting. The high price point, I mean, I know that's not going to deter me. I'm going to... Oh yeah, no. Cost will never, in the end, deter any gamer from gaming. And I want to say that we're kind of in that group where we're like, we're just now young adults and we really do like to make that purchase for ourselves. But the younger generation who can't afford consoles and the parents who have to make choices if they can buy a console, that's where it really affects. That's true. Because you have a $500 Xbox, you have a $500 PS5, you're not going to get both. That's $1,000 just drop on top of all the other stuff. So I think that's really what Sony and Microsoft are worried about at the end of the day. Because they want to tap into those markets and make that money because Nintendo, you guys all know I'm a big Nintendo fanboy, is sitting there with a the $300 uh, mid-generation console that's only going to get cheaper and has tons of great exclusive games coming out every other month. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's kind of in that dry spot right now, but they usually hit a hot streak come in the summer. So You know how Nintendo gets you, though? They do have the cheapest console on the market, and given it's not as powerful as the PlayStation and Xbox, but you make good points. It's still a great console, and it has its own little market with its own, you know, exclusive games. But Nintendo really likes to get you with its accessories. The other things that you have to buy to have a good time with the Switch, that's where it gets pricey. That price tag that's on the Pro Controller right now, is it still $70 to $80? Yeah, they're usually on sale for like $55. That's what I've been saying like every other Why month. Why are you finding those on sale for $55? That's outrageous. Uh, you know, Reddit... Uh, Nintendo Switch deals. It's going to drop that for anyone who's interested in Nintendo Switch. Ooh. Browse it all the time. But yeah, usually it's like Best Buy, Target. They like, I feel like it's every other month I see one that's on sale for 55 bucks. So, mm-hmm. yo, that's just a little pro tip for listening to us. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored by any of those stores. But we are trying to be. <laughs> Please, Best Buy. <laughs> Best Buy? I would like Best Buy. That'd be awesome. Oh, fuck. Having the entire geek squad at our disposal? That'd be great. <laughs> <Our> disposal. <laughs> Okay, so for our final piece of news for the day, we are going to be talking about the amazing Nintendo Direct that just took place yesterday for Animal Crossing. Aren't you excited, guys? Oh my gosh. So It's a game I never thought I'd discuss. (laughs) Never been a big fan of these kind of games. I'm not a life sim guy, but I don't know if the Smash finally got me or what, but I'm going to be buying my first Animal Crossing and I'm excited. Don't you want that little rest and relaxation from beating the shit out of each other in Smash to just building your own little house and going to get a beetle to be a slave to nook (laughs) (laughs) you know enough (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing so already we are off to a very interesting launch for this because i don't know if you guys have heard along with animal crossing being released on march 20th we have doom eternal same day same day same day so a little bit of a contrast there in different kinds of games you know it's basically the same it's all about (laughs) about capitalism (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm honestly probably going to be buying both at once, so, you know, I'm going to be uh, playing Doom, e Doom Eternal on the PC and just going, Oh, I wish I was playing Animal Crossing right now, just catching butterflies and building my house. Doesn't that sound lovely? Yeah, instead of trudging through the waters of hell, <laughs> murking on some demons in the bloodiest way possible. And I guess that sounds like fun. <laughs> but the tent! But, but butterflies! <laughs> those butterflies won't catch themselves. So Nintendo had this direct that they put out the other day. Um, Zach, do you know how long in advance did they give us a heads up for that direct being announced? I know Nintendo likes to drop it at the last second. That's basically how it was. Everyone was freaking out. People were talking about a, a late Nintendo direct and then an early February Nintendo direct. And here we are in February and everyone's getting a little anxious. There was actually people posting YouTube videos like RGT85 talking oh about great, God. great guy, great, great guy, but about how he thinks Nintendo is being uh, lazy and they're setting up, they're resting on their laurels when they could be optimizing on this time of insecurity from PlayStation and Xbox. It was, it was just funny how people are just getting so antsy with these Nintendo Directs. And I can't say I wasn't antsy, but I wasn't at the like the, oh, Nintendo's going to mess up this year Yeah, but kind they, of mindset yet. They sure dropped a bomb though, because mm -hmm. after watching this Direct, Animal Crossing looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks pretty freaking good. So usually with Nintendo's directs, rather than focus on one game, they usually give a half hour about like a bunch of different games or a bunch of different projects that they have coming out. How often do they actually put out a direct that's dedicated just to talking about one game? Oh boy, that's how you know it's their big game. So you know Animal Crossing is a big deal to them. It's an important franchise. And based off the 3DS sales... The Animal Crossing should be considered a big franchise because it, it was a big uh, 3DS system seller. Right. And it's it's not up there with Pokemon, but it can be considered in the same vein. as like, it's, you know, usually some people buy it for just Animal Crossing. That's really awesome. I can't, I can't believe I've never played one of these games before. It's not that I've never played one of these games before. It's actually the last time I played Animal Crossing, it was the GameCube version. And I remember it was really cool, but like, I was too young to understand that like, you can do whatever you want and have fun you know it's like what am i supposed to be doing right now and my friend would just say whatever you want to do and i'm like huh can we play wind waker instead <laughs> i don't know what i want to do <laughs> i'm too young for this and that's that's exactly what a life sim is you know you get to choose what you want to do there is no direction there is no quest there is no end goal you just do what you want to do i don't know about you guys i think it sounds like a lot of fun well, there's a lot of aspects specifically for the game that sound really cool, like the online features and mm -hmm. maybe some that aren't so cool, like the phone app to QR code scan. I don't know. I thought that was pretty rad. It is, but why would you have to download something extra on your phone to do basic functions in a game? We've been over this because Nintendo is not good with online yet. They're working <laughs> on it. You have to chat well, the Switch... using the phone app. You can't talk to anybody without the phone app. The Switch doesn't have a camera in it. So that really is like a kind of like a one of the few good reasons to actually have your smartphone. Hmm. I totally, totally agree with you on the voice chat part. I'm totally pissed about that still, but... That at least is a good use of a cell phone that's not already implemented on the Switch. I know the Switch has an IR camera, but I don't think that can read QR codes. So talking a little bit more about like some of the things we learned in the Direct itself, I don't know if this is a new feature or not, but I think it's really cool how you can actually choose different island setups that you want to go to. And you can even choose between the northern and southern hemispheres to like kind of get the seasons you want to get. And... So your toilets can flush both directions. Yeah, exactly. It's really, really cool. I think that's really cute. 
Other than that, um, looking at some of the other things that are offered on the island, like all the Tom Nook little services. I know Tom Nook's a crook. <laughs> we all know that. But he offers some good services. Yeah, you but you, just like every other game, you can take out a loan from him and pay it back on your own terms. <laughs> That's right. Until he breaks your legs. So, if you don't know what Animal Crossing is about, something that they really hit hard on in this Nintendo Direct was all the different kinds of do-it-yourself things that you can do in the game. Essentially, it's a game where you can do whatever you want. At the beginning of the game, you are set up on an island, you are given a tent and a little bit of direction on where to go, and from there you can do what you want. You can go around the island and collect materials to build things. Uh, you can set up your own little home. You can go shopping at some of the stores. The whole game is just a very relaxed experience where you're supposed to just have fun and be as creative as you want to be. One of the things I noticed from the direct video is you can see the northern lights, but can you see them from the southern hemisphere is my question. Uh, there's no southern lights. Exactly. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I really liked, because I'm not a big Animal Crossing person, so I was just trying to watch it to kind of get a feel for what it would be like. And I really just love how they use this like most calm and music. The setting is just gorgeous. I think they did a really good job making the theme of Animal Crossing, this like island getaway. Mm -hmm. I think they did a really good job making the entire game just kind of feel like that. And um, the entire time I was watching, I was like, this game actually is something I could just like, I'm a pretty competitive person. This is something I could just get into and just kind of relax to. Like, That's the um, whole point of the game though. is just like when you're in the middle of being competitive and you need to cool off, why not go to this island and catch some beetles and chop down some trees and make yourself a cute little house with a fire pit? And that's what this game is about. It's great. It was I really, it. it was really cool in the fact that you could shape the landscape to however you wanted it. Like one of the four islands, they each had a direction of the river, but you could actually expand that. You can chop into the dirt and make your and carve your own river path, or you can back up the river. You mm -hmm. can make mountains. You can literally and virtually make this island however you want it to look. Right. And that's super cool. And it's a huge island, too, which is awesome. It do, yeah, it did look pretty spacious. I think what Zara's getting at is, like, it seems like this is, like, one of the most flexible Animal Crossings that they've ever made. They just made it as convenient and as expansive as possible. Because mm -hmm. it sounds like, just like like you said, like, to me, that, like, to a total novice Animal Crossing player, hearing, like, oh, you can make a bridge, that sounds so cool. But people are, like, genuinely, like, hyped up for this. So, like... It just seems like they've done a good job listening to the community and creating all these little things that they want. Like, I saw some YouTubers just freak out over the fact that you could access your storage from anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh Is that my. really a thing you couldn't do? <laughs> <It's repetitive. laughs> it sounds really trivial, but I, if they're excited, then awesome. Yeah, exactly. Bunch of, of like, I want to see like three or four YouTubers between like RGT85, Spawnwave, and Arlo. They were all just like, Oh my God. I was like, Okay, that sounds cool, I guess. But it, apparently, it's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I'm really excited about is at the start of each day, uh, they do this island-wide broadcast with uh, Mr. Nook, which is, you know, CEO, Mr. Crook, as JG has put it. <laughs> He's going to make a broadcast to everybody, updating them on the latest on important island events and advice about how to best enjoy island living. And for someone like me who's very um, direction-oriented, <laughs> that is awesome just to find out, like, I don't know how to enjoy all this freedom and choice. Like, I'm going to at least have somewhere to kind of go and get started before I decide, like, okay, maybe I feel brave enough to branch out and do my own thing. I really like the way that they did the direct, too. It's kind of how it was like a vacational, like, tour video. 
except it was for the game because that's what the whole game is supposed to be it's like you're on vacation and you're going to this little island i thought that was really really cool um something that i think a lot of people were worried about that got answered actually pretty well in the direct was how is multiplayer going to work out oh the multiplayer looked really cool it really did um i was worried for a little while that it wasn't gonna be integrated very well just because when it comes to multiplayer capabilities nintendo is still trying to figure out a little bit but in this game it actually looked like it was pretty good yeah so you go to the airport which i know some people are mad that you can't just like trigger like an options menu and do it there right but um just having seven or seven people that you can like just choose the best friend and just make an island together and make a fun experience just sounds really really fun i know i'll be inviting jp to my island Whee! so um We'll see what kind of uh, tomfoolery we can get up to. Yeah, it almost sounds like a Minecraft server, you know, where you invite some people in and you just shape the world to how mm-hmm. you want it. I'm going to give so much shit to your island. I'm just going to get there and be like, yeah, I guess this is okay. <laughs> Best I would JP over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wouldn't put this bridge here, but you know what? It's not my island. Do you want to see my island? It's really cool. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Chris will help me get my island nice and neat. <laughs> she, she has, she's good giving me direction like that. See, I thought this that this would be a game for Krista, your wife, but then I've been getting Snapchats all week from her for Fortnite wins, so I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> really, really can't read that woman. You think I would because she's my wife, but she's uh, she uh, keeps me on my toes. Does Krista listen to listen to this? No, I gotta get her to. Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Well, not this episode because we're making fun of her. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Sorry, Krista. Love you. <laughs> and then I know one big thing that a lot of people have their panties in a in a waddle for i think that's the saying that's how that goes right <laughs> no um, not at all but let's keep going. <laughs> should, yeah, let's, yeah. okay i'm an idiot it's <laughs> um is the save cloud backup oh yeah they have none so they have <laughs> so it's not they have none it's they have one under extreme circumstances in which case you would contact nintendo customer support which is such a cheap way of going about it it's like either just do it like you know you need to yeah or just do what you've been doing and pretend you're not hearing this so if i remember correctly what they said is your whole world is not going to go to your cloud save storage if you are a nintendo online member instead your save data is going to their server where in case your switch gets lost or gets broken you can get into contact with them and get your world back so basically what i'm hearing is Oh, yeah, you lost your house to a fire during you playing Animal Crossing? Yeah, well, we'll give you it back, but you gotta jump through a couple hoops for us. Yeah, Nintendo's weird like that sometimes. Why they, wouldn't they just use a cloud server? It's so easy now. It, it's already there. It was an odd decision, but you know what? On the other hand, I'm just saying, at least they're thinking ahead in that fashion. You know, they're like, just in case something does happen, we're giving you a way to kind of help yourself out there. But it kind of is like, yeah, why aren't you just using the cloud storage? So I'm kind of on the middle of the fence there. Like, Well, what really got me was... In the direct, they addressed it directly and said that, well, do we have cloud service? No, but here's how we can help you. <laughs> like, they, they didn't even dance around the point. They didn't even just get to how they could help you. They straight up said, no, we don't have this service. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You guys think Tom Nook runs Nintendo? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Bowser is just Tom Nook confirmed. (laughs) Unless Doug Bowser would like to come onto our show and prove his innocence. That would be amazing. Yeah, 
We're on to you, we're trying, we're trying to get. We're trying to get more views. <laughs> so overall, I know it's not your guys' kind of game, but, like, I'm getting huge Stardew Valley kind of vibes from this. Not as in, like, it's like Stardew Valley, but I loved playing Stardew Valley because of its flexibility and its calmness and just, you know, living life normally. I'm really excited about that. You know, it seems like a game I'll really be able to get into, so I'm super excited about it. I hope in the middle of your guys' crazy rampaging games, you kind of find some time to love it, too. It does sound great. I, I'm excited for it. It is a nice home away from home, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like a deserted island getaway. Oh my goodness, they should market that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am excited to get my uh, feet wet, no pun intended, in this game, so. A little Yay. bit of pun intended. I oh, did watch intended. a spider drown in the trailer, so that was kind of cool. What? Yeah, there was like, a big part of the trailer was them talking about the wildlife on the island and how like you can get hurt if you're not careful enough. And this little guy on the beach was just running away while the spider was chasing him, but then he jumped over the river, and this little spider just fell in and drowned. Oh my god. <laughs> it was really sad. Nintendo does not endorse animal cruelty. I thought I watched this. Unless story. it's a spider. Because fox spiders. Or a tanuki. <laughs> <laughs> Mario wears his skin as a suit. <laughs> All right, so let's see what we got going on in the game industry today and beyond. Hot off the presses for the Switch, we got three games. Ego Protocol, Brief Battles, Knighton Plus... <laughs> And for the Xbox, PS4, we got Draugen, Tony Stewart's Sprint Car Racing. I don't know who Tony Stewart is, but it's for the PC. <laughs> oh boy, we have Mathland. <laughs> Let's do some math. Oh my god, Mathland? That's awesome. But and that's coming up in February 24th. And what's going on with the cover there? It's like pirates? Yeah, it's it's pirates, but it's arithmetic. So I guess that's cool. <laughs> Let's ooh, make ooh. numbers fun. It's Switch. like you're halfway through playing Mathland and you're like, wait a second, I'm learning things. <laughs> well, it even is licensed as educational. So. Oh, sweet God. <laughs> I didn't even know they made educational video games from back when Mario typing was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho's it's for the PS4 Switch Xbox on the 25th, we have Mega Man Zero ZX Legacy. Now I'm going to stop you right there real quick. Zach. You are a huge Mega Man fan, aren't oh, you? That game is so freaking hard. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for this. I am probably going to wait for it to go on sale for like 20 bucks. Just because they usually go on sale a month after. I learned that with the Mega Man X collection. That's always the worst moment, isn't it? When like you buy a game and then you're going through the store like a few weeks later and it's like, huh, down $25. Neat. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Could have bought Nighton with that or Mathland. <laughs> math let's do it I should have bought math land <laughs> so yeah i i am genuinely excited for that game and i'm really hoping this does good enough that mega man battle network collection can come out because that is my jam right there so oh yeah. yeah i'll be supporting it but only once it goes on sale which i guess is kind of counterintuitive but still <laughs> coming up on february 25th we also have two point hospital for the ps4 and xbox one is that anything like surgeon simulator does anyone know I don't know, but if it is like Surgeon Simulator, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of broken controllers out there. <laughs> it does say simulation. It's basically like simulator. So. Yep, good point. We also have Cloak and Dasher for the PC, Broken Lines for the PC, Conan Chop Chop for the PS4, Xbox, Switch, and PC, uh, Rune Factory 4 Special for the Switch, Samurai Showdown for the Switch, 
Space Channel 5 VR kind of funky. Oh my, now that looks like my kind of game. Space Channel <laughs> 5 VR kind of funky for the PlayStation 4. A what music game. The hell is all of that about? I don't know, but I'm going to have to ch take a look into that. That sounds awesome. That's for the PS4. And finally, for the Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation, we have Infliction, which looks like a horror game. Very, very cool. Indeed. And that's all we got for February. <laughs> so our next segment is games we are playing. All really excited about this. Today... Your old buddy Czar will start with an older game, Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Older game is right. How long has that been out? I think like since 2008, I was mesmerized to find out that there was a sequel to it that came out in like 2014. Okay, but when there was an original Castlevania game. Oh, that was like back in the 80s. So it was on the NES. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that was just a side-scroller, you know, jump and hop, kill the things to get to Dracula, then fight him with a big whip. Right. And since then, how many sequels have there been? Oh, numerous amounts of sequels. Lots and lots of sequels. But this was actually the reboot of the series. Huh. It introduced it into more of a 3D world as opposed to the uh, side-scroller that it was known as. Hmm. Which is kind of cool, but also at the same time, it came out right around the whole... Assassin's Creed fad. So it was very heavy on platforming, very little on combat, and mm -hmm. a lot of it didn't really mesh well. I have died so many times. Zach just pulled up the list of all the games. Look at all those sequels. Holy crap, that's a lot of Castlevania. That's at least 20 different Castlevania games. That's a lot of Dracula. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about the game. Okay, so you play as Gabriel Belmont who donned the honorary title of Belmont, I believe. He's not actually a Belmont. The Belmonts are like the main fighters of Dracula in the series. Okay. But he's part of this, I want to say, clan called the Brotherhood of Light, basically the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. <laughs> fighting Dracula. And you go through, I think it's about like 14 levels. I thought it was going to be like 10 at most. But once the page flipped after I beat the first level, uh -huh. the first world, it was crazy how many more worlds there are. Right. I'm only about halfway done with it. Hmm. But you are adorned with a weapon called the Combat Cross, which is basically Simon's Whip. Mm -hmm. In the form of a cross. And you use that to slay the monsters but really, the game is heavily emphasized on platforming. Okay. So, much like Assassin's Creed, you find the little nooks on ledges, you climb up them, but that's that's where the frustration comes in. I have died so much, not only to poor platforming, but also god-awful camera angles. Mm -hmm. Like, I will be scaling a hundred-foot wall, and the camera will be below me. <laughs> I can't see what I'm grabbing. I can't see where I'm jumping. Right. And I, I get it. It's it's due to cinematics and everything. The game looks very pretty for its time. I mean, it was over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the game looked really pretty and they wanted to show it off. But it just makes the game so frustrating because you can't see where your character's going most of the time. And also when you're in combat, a lot of the enemies are off screen because that camera is fixed, much like the older Resident Evil games. Mm -hmm. So all of that's just a little bit frustrating, but it is a really cool dive into the Castlevania lore because it's it's a continuation basically after 
all of the other Belmont stories have taken place. So Simon, Trevor, all of them, their stories are done. Right. And the premise basically is different Lords of Shadow. I believe there's three. There's one for the werewolves. There's one for the vampires. Haven't discovered the third one yet. And you got to go kill all those guys, get their things. And then you take these things to try to stop the ultimate evil. Whatever the hell that. Yeah, because you're still halfway through playing the game. Yeah, I'm only halfway through. I'm working on it, but it is really cool. And a lot of the boss fights really reminded me of Shadow of the Colossus because these things are the size of skyscrapers. Yeah. But it's not actually direct combat. It's more of a platform workaround. That's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, you climb up on a specific part of of the beast and you have to stab it in a very specific spot and then climb to the next spot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's pretty much all the game is. Zara, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you know who the ultimate evil is, don't you? Is it Dracula? No. I didn't think so because he's the one I'm after right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. Is it Tom Nook? It's Tom Nook. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. I knew it. <laughs> How did I not see this coming? <laughs> Tom Nook. <laughs> God damn it. If I could do the Animal Crossing noises right now, I would, but... They're little talking animation things. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Okay, so I'm still a little confused. Tell me more about the story of the game. So... You gotta kill the ultimate evil. Is that it? Is that... Yeah, that's basically it. uh, So not a very story-intensive... Not not directly. A lot of the story comes from the lore because all of your pickups and your upgrades basically come from dead corpses of your fallen brethren. Oh, that's nice. That's wonderful. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it kind of makes me wonder because, you know, I'm trudging through Dracula's castle and I find a couple upgrades from dead guys. I'm like, wait, they were here before me? Like, (laughs) what the hell's going on here? How did they get in here? I scaled a 40-foot ledge to get in here. (laughs) I went in through the window. Somebody leave the front gate open for me at least. What do you think of the graphics and the art style of the game? Uh, They're beautiful. Honestly, for the time that it was released, beautiful looking game. Mm -hmm. Today's standards, it's a little rough, but you know, it actually holds up to the test of time, I think. The it was it was pretty high resolution and the detail was really good. I mean, not so good that you watch grass blades weaving, but mm-hmm. it, it's still the facial structures are, are pretty good. That's good. Yeah. So also, I know that the camera angles were giving you some difficulty like you were saying, but besides that, would you call it a difficult game? Uh, as far as base difficulty, no. If you understand combat fighters and how to use combos per, uh, proficiently, mm-hmm. it's it's not that difficult of a game. All of the enemies have about two or three uh, specific attacks that are relatively e- easy to block or dodge. Right. And as long as you know the patterns and how to fight, you'll have no trouble with the game. Really, the only difficulty comes in from the platforming pitfalls. Very cool. So final thoughts? Final thoughts, I'd say it's a great game, especially if you're looking to learn more of the lore of Castlevania, because like I said, with the dead guys, you get scrolls from them. And oh, I remembered one of the scrolls I got was actually really depressing because it was one of your fallen comrades and he was telling he was telling the player so much that he didn't want to die like every other corpse before him that you find as pickups. Oh, geez. He didn't want to be one of those fodder. And the reason why some of those characters had scrolls on them 
was to guide the main character. That was their only purpose, was to run into the danger, die, and leave a warning for the main character to come later. And he didn't want to end up as one of them. Well, now that I'm nice and bummed out. <laughs> so tell us, if you had to give it a score, what do you think it deserves? Back in the day, I would probably give it an 8. To today's standards, I would probably give it a 6.5. Really? Yes, just because of the camera angle. I know it's so trivial, but I have died dozens of times due to a poor camera angle. Yeah, I totally, and as a guy who loves platformers, yeah, I can totally relate with that lowering a score time because there's nothing more frustrating than something you can't control. Oh yeah, just mm. give me a movable camera and you, you get a better score, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, so I'm really excited to talk this week, JP, about my game. Are you excited <laughs> to talk about your game? <laughs> yeah. So Zach and I are actually doing this one a little bit together because we both have been on a Pokemon grind lately. Yeah, Pokemon Home launched. And, That's right. Um, gosh, I always like to say um, but I am so excited because it just gave me that itch to collect all the Pokemon again. All, what are we at right now as far as number of Pokemon? I think it's 960? Yeah, all, it's gen, all gens is in the 900s. Oh my god, that is so many freaking Pokemon to collect. All the Pokemon. <laughs> all the Pokemon, gotta catch them all. I really have a bad, uh, I have a bad personality for this. I'm kind of like a perfectionist. And it's just really frustrating because I like get really into games and I kind of get sick of them and go on to new games. With Pokemon, you can't really do that. They do events every other month. And then once their event's over, you're you're out of luck. Can't yeah. get that dark cry unless you play. So oh, I want that dark cry. Yeah. <laughs> and then so my big deal is that they got Zero Aura now. I think I'm saying that right. And I literally stopped playing for like two or three months. And that's literally when they released it. I'm really mad about it. So I'm trying to find like all these trade deals. And everybody wants like Sorry, this is totally off topic. Everyone wants all these like shiny Mewtwo, shiny this, shiny that. And I'm like, guys, I got I got a shiny ditto. Do you want a shiny ditto? <laughs> I'll give you a Weedle. <laughs> Nobody will give you a Weedle. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's my uh, perfectionist mentality. I'm like trying to go through Pokemon right now and get all of them. And it's a str- it's struggle bus, but it's, it's a fun struggle bus. So what's new going on in Pokemon Sword and Shield right now? We've kind of hit the mark where the game's been out for a few months. Um, everybody's beating the game, everybody's just kind of in that collective mode right now. What have you been doing in the game? Uh, setting up my competitive team. I got a um, lot of EV training, a lot of IV perfecting, and um, getting my Pokemon ready to go. Trying to make my Rillaboom a Rilla Beast, and um, <laughs> I'm excited to see where this team goes. I, Based off what I've been researching, I'm not going to be very lucky in that uh, that journey, but I'm going to see if I can come up with some sort of, sort of master plan. And at least on the bright side, my Rillaboom looks totally awesome. It's all shiny and it's got max stats and it's ready to party. So just for podcast reasons and not for personal reasons that I would need, tell us more about this team you're putting together. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm, I'm not into competitive battling at all. So you could tell us a little bit more about the team that you're gonna make and I totally won't use it to go against you. Here, throw your Nintendo shake, code shake down. Shake my hand. Now. Shake my hand. <laughs> shaking my hand? I want to know he's shaking my hand right now. Okay, I'm shaking. Did throw I shake your, his hand? You shook his hand. Throw All your right. Nintendo code out there and challenge everybody <laughs> in the wide world to beat your team. Right, that can be a Patreon. Uh, uh, Patreon. <laughs> Zach, that's a great That's a great reward. And if you mean that, I'm going to instantly challenge you to Smash Bros. I hope you know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Pokemon, long story short, there's IVs, which are individual values. So it's basically when you breed your Pokemon, when they're born, it's like, is are you an athletic Pokemon? Do you have all the stats you need? 
And long story short, there's HP for how much health you have, attack for how much physical damage you do, defense for how much physical damage you take, special attack for how much special damage you do. And like, there's between like physical and special is like physical, if you're touching, it's a physical attack. Um, special is when you do like a, like a flamethrower, something that comes out of your mouth or a blast. Right. That's usually like a special. And special defense is how you block the special ones. And then finally, there's speed. What the meta revolves around is you're either a super tanky boy or you're a super fast try and one shot boy. And so you kind of get the pick based off your Pokemon strengths. So you got your chunk and your glass cannon. Exactly. And um, EVs then are like your effort values, which is stuff that you really got to grind out. They're like the stats that you get to select for your Pokemon. Basically, it's the same exact stats that you like put. I think it's like 252 in each stat. For reference, um, I did this a lot. So you, when you would kill a, a rookie do the bird, um, you would get one speed EV. And there's some items to really speed it up. So it doesn't sound as awful as like killing 252 rookie do's. <laughs> so that's pretty much what you do to get your Pokemon into competitive viability. So I want some of your opinions when it comes to competitive battling. The first question I have, do you think you should be able to have legendary Pokemon on your team? And if so, how many? So there's how Smogan does it is you pretty much have and Smogan.com is like one format of Pokemon battling that the community abides by, but it seems to be the general consensus. They have like tier lists. So based off of Pokemon stats. So for reference, Mewtwo has 680 stats and like Rillaboom only has like 525. Now, when you say stats, do you mean like the total addition of all the different stats a Pokemon can have. Yes, precisely. Create this number. Yeah. Okay. And so basically Pokemon's total stats kind of determines its relevancy sometimes, not always. Basically what that amounts to is they put Pokemon based off that into tier list and that's kind of how they decide it. So as far as Ubers go, or sorry, Ubers is like where all the like the really strong legendary Pokemon go. Everything's allowed. You can do whatever you want. Any kind of broken combination you can think of, they let you do it. And then there's the overuse, which is where like usually everyone brings their competitive Pokemon in. This is like the best, the best that aren't the legendaries. And then there's a few tiers below that. OU is everything but legendaries. And so I definitely love using legendary Pokemon, but I definitely see how once you get started, it's kind of like a, a snowball effect that can kind of ruin it for others because yeah. it kind of ruins the whole competitive aspect. Once you, you win one fight, you win the whole game. That kind of stinks. So there will not be any legendaries on your competitive team. Yeah, so I have a full legendary competitive team <laughs> and a full uh, non-legendary competitive team. I kind of get the, and like I said, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I kind of get into the zone. And so when I feel like grinding, I kind of grind all at once. So... I grinded like 20 Pokemon over the past two weeks and it's been, it's been fun. What about your pseudo legendary Pokemon like Tyranitar, for example? Would that belong more on your non-legendary team or your legendary team? So great question. Um, Tyranitar, for that reference, he is pretty much always overused. They are some of the Pokemon that can dabble into Ubers, but they're not required to be strictly an Uber. So you can put as many Tyrant, I mean, you can only have one of each Pokemon, I guess, but mm -hmm. you can have a Tyranitar, a Garchomp, a Dragonite, all those are totally fine. However, there was a point where like Pokemon like that got banned. So um, Garchomp in generation five got banned because he was so good that he was basically a legendary Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And that's basically decided upon by the community. Yeah. So that stuff takes time. And my final question is what about starters? Uh, starters are usually not even that good. So like Rillaboom is considered underused because he's not his, like his stats are fine but grass pokemon just have such a tough time mm -hmm. because if anything's faster than grass pokemon there's ice and fire that can just blow it up and a lot of pokemon have that coverage 
Right. What about Pokemon like, uh, does Charizard have good stats? Uh, Charizard has good stats, but since it's fire flying, there's a move called Stealth Rock. Oh, I know all about yeah, Stealth Rock. that'll just take it out. I know and all yes, about Stealth Rock. You switch the entire uh, Charizard and it pretty much takes out a fourth of its HP, I think. Maybe even half. It's somewhere in between there. I was just asking because I know you love Charizard. I personally think he is very overused and overrated. That's just my opinion. Blastoise for life. Hell yeah, Blastoise Hell yeah, for life. Blastoise for life. I uh, totally see your points, but I'm still I'm still Charizard for life. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I definitely agree. I don't even think after after the Gigantamax and the two uh, Mega Forms that I can even argue that he's not overrated and overused. But I mean, he's a cool. He's one of the coolest Pokemon. So why wouldn't you overuse him? Yeah, but he's not a dragon, even though he is a dragon. <laughs> Mega Charizard X is actually a dragon. So it has to evolve a fourth time before it can be a dragon. <laughs> Mega Evolution is not evolution. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm even like, I'm kind of turning into a Venusaur boy, to be honest. I really like Venusaur. Venusaur is a great support Pokemon. Yeah. All grass types really are, but I mean, Venusaur in particular is awesome. I guess you could say grass is really growing on me. Ah, uh, let him in here. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so on my end, I'm also talking a little bit about Pokemon. I am playing Pokemon Sun right now. Now, it's a game that's been out for a little while, but... Not uh, Ultra Sun? Ultra Sun? No, just Normal Sun. <laughs> Not to be confused with Ultra Moon. What about Super okay. Sun? No, Super Sun is next year. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... The Pokemon Company recently released Pokemon Home. If you don't know what Pokemon Home is, it's basically a universal storage facility for all the Pokemon that you catch throughout all your different games. And that includes Pokemon Go, too. Oh. So you put this program on your Switch called Pokemon Home, and you can bring in Pokemon from Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, you can bring in Pokemon from Pokemon Go. In a future update that hasn't happened, so we know. Don't yep. really get too excited. That's right. It's a future update. Do we know when that update's coming out? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> they said in the future, which in could the mean future. tomorrow. Could mean next Whatever. year. The hell they feel like getting to it. It's Pokemon. They have absolute power. <laughs> so the big... They're run by Nook, too. <laughs> Tom Nook. Tom Nook. Damn you, Nook. And the most important part for me is Pokemon Bank. Now, this all gets a little convoluted. Pokemon Bank is the Nintendo 3DS app that you use to do essentially the same thing, but with your Nintendo 3DS games, your downloaded like Pokemon Red, Blue, and Crystal version, mm-hmm. and your Nintendo DS Pokemon games. So like Black, White, Black 2, White 2. It's every Pokemon game that's on your Nintendo 3DS system goes into the Pokemon Bank, and then the Pokemon that you have in Pokemon Bank you can transfer into Pokemon Home. Now, once you take Pokemon from Pokemon Bank and put them into Pokemon Home, they can no longer go back to Pokemon Bank. But essentially, the reason why I think they're doing this is to put all of your Pokemon in one location so that you can use them on the next generation console. You know, because everything that you put into the Pokemon Bank can easily go into Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield as soon as they are an available Pokemon in the game. Because as we know right now, of the huge amount of Pokemon that we have out there, only 400 Pokemon are registered in the Pokedex in the game currently. But when that changes with future updates and they decide to put more Pokemon into the game, you'll be able to take Pokemon out from Pokemon Home and put them into Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. Interesting. 
So let's say you were an OG Game Boy kid and you had Pokemon Fire Red, or if you want to go back even more OG... Pokemon Yellow? <laughs> Pokemon, yeah. Red, Blue, and Yellow back on your Game Boy Colors. You could take that Blastoise or whatever your starter was all the way from that game that's been with you through all these games, and you finally have a way to bring them to the next generation of Pokemon games. So to put this on, you have to imagine that this is the, the end goal, because now it's on your phone. So your Pokemon, mm -hmm. theoretically at this point, are with you no matter what Nintendo's Switch Pro, Wii 3, whatever they end up doing next, you have your Pokemon on your phone, which you have to imagine, hopefully the Pokemon company won't screw this up. No, it's- To where there's not gonna be another Pokemon bank situation. Exactly. That's, that's what I think is so great about the service. So as far as using Pokemon Home itself goes, it's actually really intuitive. I mean, it's really easy to do. Putting Pokemon and taking them out is very, very simple. It's really cool to just see everybody there in one place from all your different games. I haven't got too much into sorting options yet because I haven't really seen a way to do it. Um, and that's one of my complaints. If it's something that doesn't exist, that is, is like, once you put them in the bank, like you have to pick up Pokemon by Pokemon and just kind of organize them how you want. Oh, that is. I've taken eight different Pokemon games, collected the Pokemon in Pokemon Bank, and put them into Pokemon Home so far. By the way, your storage capacity is 5,000 Pokemon. That's a lot of Pokemon. That is a lot of Pokemon. But that's just all the more reason why I wish I saw more options for sorting, which I bet's probably gonna be an update <coughs> in the future. Um, but until that happens, it's still very cool to see all your Pokemon in one spot. I'm very happy that I have a way to bring my Pokemon from all my <coughs> DS games into the new generation of Pokemon. And as soon as the Pokedex gets updated in Pokemon Sword and Shield, I, I just simply can't wait to put all my Pokemon back into the game and see some of my Pokemon that I've had forever come with me into the new game. Yeah. That's that's a very heart-touching moment for all Pokemon fans out there. To all the Pokemon fans. When, when you get to take the Pokemon you have raised for years into the next generation with mm -hmm. you. It's a very nice service, but it is not free. Really? Nope. Pokemon Home is not a free service. Now, it's not expensive by any means. It's one month for $3, three months for $5, or you could get a full year for $16. So, do you guys think it's weird that you have to pay for this service? Absolutely. I mean, it's not a huge cost, but, like, say that year goes up and you don't want to pay anymore. Are all your Pokemon just gone? That's a great question that I thought too that I don't actually know the answer to. I don't think that they're gone, but I do think your ability to transfer them between devices is until you decide to repay for your plan. Well, that's a little bit better. It makes me feel a little bit better. But at the same time, it should just be a one-time cost, like you're buying a video game. In my opinion, I actually don't think that the price point for using this service is too crazy because at the end of the day what they're really having you buy is server space so that you can store your pokemon and simply put it's not cheap to do that it's server space that you are taking up for personal use and it's something you gotta pay for and that's just the way it is i think where i get aggravated is i'm already paying nintendo switch online fee that is true. Yeah. And so I feel like there should at least be some kind of carryover, some sort of bonus. I should be, I should not be paying an extra 16 bucks when I already pay for Nintendo servers, basically. That's a fair point as well. Exactly. 
So I'm basically paying $46 a year now, which is, that's literally almost double the Nintendo Switch Online fee. So I think that's a little ridiculous, but I also see what JP is saying, and I also think there's no reason for Pokemon to not charge this fee, because at this point they've got their money and they know it's going to work, because these are my babies. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand, and while I am upset, I can't not pay for my babies. So, so yeah. Pokemon Sun I wanted to talk a little bit about as well. I brought it up earlier. Um, what's interesting is I have owned pretty much at least one version of every Pokemon game in the generations since basically the game got started. Um, but for some reason, when it came to Pokemon Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, and Ultra Moon, I bought the game the day it came out, and then I played it a little bit and just put it right away and didn't touch it again for a few years. And I don't know why that is. I just, I, maybe I had something else to play at the time. I just don't remember why. So when Pokemon Home came out, I noticed a bunch of huge gaps in my Pokedex where Alolan Pokemon were. Bunch, a bunch of Pokemon that I didn't catch because I didn't play Sun and I didn't play Moon. So I decided to finally pick up Sun and give it a go. And you know what? I gotta say, as far as Pokemon games go, it was pretty good. I, I really liked, well, I played Moon, but I, I really liked it. You, they're, they're the same thing. It's the same thing. Different, different legendary, and the end scene is a little bit different. Different exclusive Pokemon in each game, and I don't even know what they are off the top of my head. Yeah. But I mean, with the Wonder Trade, you get all of the exclusives anyway. So, because I, I think I filled my Pokedex like three times over with different Pokemon from different gens that weren't in the game just from the Wonder Trade. Like, I've got yeah. seven different colored shiny Mewtwo's. Like, I got a pink Mewtwo. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Very cool. A straight-up yellow Mewtwo. <laughs> what I always find interesting about going back to games that have been out for a little while, whether it be a few years or whether it be almost a decade like the game you played, um, is just seeing if it still holds up by the modern standards of video games. And does it does it hold true to the test of time? I really think it does. I mean, the thing with Pokemon games, and you are free to disagree with me, is that it gets repetitive game after game after game. I mean, I love seeing the new Pokemon. I love how, seeing how they designed the new places that you get to go. But it's the same game that we're buying almost every time. And, they try, and I'm willing to admit that. They try to shake it up a little bit with different ways to care for your Pokemon. And like you can give them berries, you can play with them and take pictures of them and stuff. And it may boost their stats a little bit. But ultimately, that's such a small concept of the game mm -hmm. that's overarching as the same game. Well, they try and give these little gimmicks as well. Like with Pokemon Sword and Shield, it was Gigantamaxing. Pokemon Sun and Moon, it's the Z-moves. Z-moves were kind of cool. They're kind of cool, but it's a gimmick nonetheless. It is. So, gimmick to the heart. Pokemon X and Y, it was all about the Mega Evolutions. That was There's just games. always these little gimmicks that don't ever carry on into the next games, and it's just, it's weird to see that, and it's, you know, weird that I keep having the same Pokemon experience over and over and over again, but I'm still willing to do it, and I still had a good time playing the game. It's just, it'd be nice if things got mixed up a little every once in a while. I, I was gonna say, I mean, as a Pokemon player, do you really expect anything else, like, from your Pokemon game? I have a million ideas of things they could do in the next main series Pokemon game to make it phenomenal. But as far as what I expect to be changed from game <laughs> to game, honestly, no. I mean... Very little. 
Yeah, yeah. If they haven't changed it yet, they're probably not going to for a while. Longer. Well, you know, they found a formula that works for them, and mm-hmm. that's what they're going to stick with. Yeah. Until, you know, it doesn't make them sales anymore. I will say, though, even with kind of the stale gameplay and the same old adventure in mind, Pokemon Sun and Moon does have its own little quirks that still make it, I'd say, a cut above the rest when it comes to other Pokemon games because they really did try and mix it up a little bit more. Like, instead of gym leaders, you have, like, these kahunas and, like, you have these island challenges. Big kahunas. The big kahunas. That's right. <laughs> and it's the same premise, but they really did try and mix it up just a little bit more. I did like the uh, Tapu Pokemon. The Tapu Coco and Tapu. The mythical. Are they, are they mythical? Are they considered mythical Pokemon? I think they're like Raikouante and stuff. Like they're like the birds. And the the island guardians, yeah, yeah. I suppose what they would be called. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were, I, I did like those too. So I'm almost done with the game, and as soon as I am, those will be going in my Pokemon home as well that I paid $5 for for three months. (laughs) Overall, though, I'm very happy with my Pokemon home experience. Um, If you're willing to put down the money to see all your Pokemon in one place that you've caught throughout all these different games, I'd highly recommend it. I'd say it's worth it. At the very least, you could buy it and give it a try yourself because you are not held to any sort of commitment with the buy-in. If I were you, before I do that, figure out what happens to your Pokemon as soon as you decide to stop paying for the service. That's something that's still been a little vague and that we're trying to figure out ourselves. But the last thing I want to see is my Pokemon all just be deleted from existence. Like Zara's non-existent Pikachu. So yeah. Quick score for Sun and Moon. For Sun and Moon? Um, I'd give it a 7.8. Not the most amazing Pokemon game I've ever played, but overall, probably a notch better than most of the modern games. So for Pokemon Sword, I would give it probably a 9 out of 10, which is a little bit high for some people, but I've put over like 120 hours in this game, and I really, really enjoy it. And while there's some online quirks that really irk me, I think it's a really fun game. All right, guys. Now, we don't know how much we really want to become a movie critiquing channel, but this is not any ordinary movie that the three of us went to go see the other day. This was Sonic the Hedgehog movie. A movie based on a video game, which have flopped in the past very hard. Yeah, historically, these are never very good. It's kind of funny, we're in kind of a, almost a renaissance, if you will, with Detective Pikachu doing phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I loved Detective Pikachu. And now, I really did. Ryan Reynolds was a perfect voice for Pikachu. Oh, my God. Honestly, though. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about Detective Pikachu. <laughs> we're here to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, what did you guys think? So, initial thoughts for me, I don't know about you guys, it didn't suck as much as I thought it was going to. I liked it. I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you got to go into the movie thinking and realizing is you are not watching a YouTuber playing a video game. You're watching a movie story-driven adaptation of a video game. Mm -hmm. So to separate those two worlds is, is what you really need to do to watch this movie. Right. The reason why our bar is so low when we think about these kinds of movies are because of what we've seen in the past whenever someone tries to do this shit. And it's not just video games, it can be TV shows that we all loved too. JP, do you remember uh, that one great uh, movie, Dragon Ball Evolution? (laughs) Look, there's an exception to all these movies sucking, and that's the movie. I'm just kidding, that was absolutely terrible. Absolutely. They literally could not have gotten more wrong. 
<laughs> and the Netflix adaptation of Death Note recently. Oh my god, that was awful. Just or did you see the one for Full Metal Alchemist? Oh, that one was bad too. Oh, that was so hard to watch. Oh, and then there's Mortal Kombat. There's Doom. Hey, now Mortal Kombat tried. All right, they <laughs> they tried too hard. It's almost <laughs> that's the problem. It's hard to find that sweet spot. And then the Tomb Raider movie was done only a few years ago, and I think that flopped pretty hard too. I think, and then on top of that, it did not start well for Sonic. They showed off the OG Sonic animation. Oh, he I hurled the ugly. <laughs> the teeth, man. You you know people you like to think that the internet exaggerates, but no, that was one creepy. Hedgehog. Well, and wasn't it as tall as everybody else too? Like it wasn't I the short, lovable Sonic. I don't know? think that part was quite true, but it still didn't look great. No, it, it didn't. It looked absolutely god awful. What they should do though is release a director's cut where they did the entire movie with the original Sonic. Oh my <laughs> god, that would be absolutely wild. <laughs> and what just dumbfounds me is how that how they thought that would have been a good idea because Sonic was talking like he was an eight-year-old the entire movie. Mm -hmm. So having this human hedgehog ants as tall as you, hypothetically, that's what the rumor is, just how does that go through someone's head and they think that's that's, that's what it should be. <laughs> that is what sh Sonic should look like. Thankfully they fixed it. He's shorter, he's cuter, and he's still got that spunky Sonic attitude that we love. Mm. And I really think that redeemed him to being like this like cute little Sonic spunkster that you want. Oh, he was the lovable yeah. hedgehog that we all fell in love with way back when. And this is where I've got to give it up to the animators too, is like they had to redo so much work in order to make this movie as good as people wanted it to be. I know part of it is no one was going to see this movie if they kept Sonic the way he was and the movie was going to flop anyway. But the animators had to redo a lot of work to make Sonic look right. So just kudos to them for putting in so much effort to redo something they've already done. I know that's got to be frustrating. Well, yeah, it delayed the release by at least six months, I think. But it was definitely worth it. 100%. The new Sonic looks way better. And it honestly, in return, made the movie way better. So do, do we want to go into spoiler territory here? Or just like kind of give a... I think we should wait on the spoilers. I mean, it's only been out for a week. Uh, well, when this podcast comes out, maybe about two weeks, but uh, I think we should maybe hold off. Although there's not a lot of spoilers because, I mean, the movie is just Dr. Eggman chasing Sonic. Yeah, and, I, like, that's the games. Right. Uh-huh. And, I mean, there are a lot, a lot of plot holes in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, just a lot of stuff that you go, hmm. But if you go into it with a, a sense of loving Sonic and just a sense of, like, I want to see a movie about Sonic, it's an entertaining ride. It's got some pretty good heartfelt moments, and I I enjoyed it. Definitely not going to win any Emmys, but I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun time. <laughs> Jim Carrey did well too. You know, this is his first movie in a long time. I think that's the big key to making these video game movies. Is like you just um, you make a decent story that relates loosely to the main concept of the game, so that you have room for interpretation, but fans can't get too mad when things don't go exactly like it does in the game. And then throw in one huge actor, kind of like what Detective Pikachu did with Ryan Reynolds. And now Sonic the Hedgehog had Jim Carrey. And literally, Jim Carrey, I loved his Dr. Robotnik. I thought he killed it. I thought he stole the show, I'll be honest. Think so? Yeah. Yeah. He just, the facial animations, the quirky dialogue. For a kid's movie, he said some pretty uh, promiscuous things. And I was like, oh, you can do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
but Jim Carrey's got kind of that Grinch persona almost, but like yeah. obviously for like Eggman, but it's like kind of that raunchiness to it. I definitely think it made it more entertaining for us, quote unquote, adults. Adults, <laughs> loosely speaking. I don't see any adults in here. <laughs> so the story wasn't anything too crazy to write home about, but it, it, it was, you could follow it. It was coherent. Like Zach said, there were a few loopholes, but overall wasn't anything too crazy, but you could follow it. Um, the characters, so what did you think about the way Sonic actually acted in the movie? Do you think it was more like how Sonic acts in the games? Do you think it was more like to relate to kids now in the present? What do you think? Well, it was flossing, so definitely to relate to the kids in the present. Can yeah. we have one damn movie where someone's not flossing? That's all I ask. Yeah, we need to get rid of that. That that needs to die very quickly. Oh my god! But no, I blame didn't Ninja feel for like... this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we should be mad at Ninja. It's <laughs> a sincere issue. <laughs> but no, I I feel like it wasn't the Sonic that we all fell in love with. It was a modern adaptation of a teenage Sonic in today's era. He was not nearly as spunky and go-getty as he was back in the games and comics and TV show even. Right. He definitely had that 90s Sonic edge. But he's still, it still had some charisma. I thought it was it was still, like, I'm not trying to knock it when I agree with uh, Zara over here, but definitely but think. To relate to the kids, I see why they, they adapted his personality, so to speak. Uh-huh. I think we did a good job talking about the graphics and animation already. Just wonder how they definitely upped their ante with fixing that. Um, and we already talked a lot about the acting and voice acting. Do you think you just want to add to that? No. Um, I forget the name of the actor who played um, Sonic's friend. I don't even remember oh, what Sonic's friend's Donut name is. Board? Yeah, Donut, Donut Board. Board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought he did a decent job. Um, and so did the woman who played his girlfriend. There honestly weren't a ton of actors in the movie. No, there really weren't. I thought, for what it's worth, everybody did a great job. But my favorite actress was the lady that was tied up in the chair in her <laughs> own house. I thought she she stole the show. Jim Carrey. <laughs> I wanted to hit on humor just a little bit more, like the humor of the movie. I get that it's a kid's movie. I understand 100% that it's a kid's movie. And for the movie's credit... They threw in plenty of references to keep Sonic fans and video games ha fans happy in general, but I am not a fan of gross-out humor. Like, the part where Sonic farts in that hotel room, I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great, kids. That's, yeah, it's just... Anyone eight and younger will laugh at a fart. Yeah, no, no matter what. And so, things like that. So, I mean, definitely expect a little bit of that going into the movie, but... There were a few jokes in there that anybody can laugh at as well. The humor I really appreciated were the Easter eggs to mm. the Sonic franchise. To go on with that, that entire like ending credit scene. You know, I'm not gonna spoil any of it for you, but that is that that was worth seeing right there. That was the special. ending credit scene that was, was really cool. And then that little tidbit after that left it open for a sequel. Now that was that was really cool. Alright, guys, so do you have any final thoughts on the movie before we wrap this up? definitely go see it. I want to see if there's going to be a second one. I, I hope there will be. As, if, as long as they do it as well as they did this one, I hope there's a sequel. I liked it. Go see it. 
because, you know, we bashed the crap out of the, the animators for this movie. It's got to be successful for their sake. For And for what it's worth, I think opening weekend, it made about $55 million. And that's great. So it's made more than De- Detective Pikachu in its opening weekend, which I thought was... That's crazy. That was. Crazy that's me. very, very weird. I don't know how you beat Pokemon. And they even had a promo card with every movie ticket. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. All right, so Czar, JP, yes. what would you give... Sonic the Hedgehog. So it's hard to give it a score because I have to think of it as a movie, but also I'm relatively thinking of like video game movies in general and how compared to those, this is a piece of gold. Oh, yeah. That we have here if you're thinking relative to any of those other crap video games movies that they've made. But what carrot of gold is it? Per se? Eh, it's not the 24 carat. It's guy. definitely not a 24 carat. If you were to think of it objectively as a movie in itself, I'd probably give it like a 7.2 out of 10. Yep, I'm going to have to agree with that. It did just enough right to keep the Sonic and video game fans happy. But as a standalone movie, I'm happy with seeing it another time or two. And then just that's about all the replay value it has. (laughs) Yep, in my opinion. What do you think, Zach? Do you agree? I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. 7.2 it it is. (laughs) 7.2. And that is official. All right. Game T, official score of 7.2. And that's a fact. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game T Podcast. If you liked what you heard, why not follow us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at the Game T Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at the Game T Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Game T Podcast.